Hi there, I'm Tony Potts, host of the Real Estate Masters Virtual Summit. Have you always wanted to own and invest in real estate, but didn't know where to start? Are you struggling to close your first deal? Or maybe you are a seasoned real estate agent trying to break the $100 million ceiling? Which stage of your real estate career are you in? Our experts will be the guide for you to master your journey and build off their success. 42 of the world's very best titans of real estate to guide you to prosperity. Now, whether you're a realtor, passive investor, multifamily syndicator, work with distressed properties, luxury property, commercial real estate, legal, financing, and more, if you're involved in real estate, we have exactly what you need to take your game to new heights. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Real Estate Master Summit podcast. I'm your host, Damian Cole. On our first episode, we have Harry Dent, a best-selling author, a graduate of Harvard Business School, a industry leader in predicting markets, a great guy, really fun to interview. Uh, you guys check him out at hsdent.com. He forecasts markets like nobody else. Check him out. Enjoy the show. So I, I'm uh, Damian Cole. I'm with the Real Estate Masters Summit. We have our guest, Harry Dent from harrydent.com, best-selling author. Um, why don't you tell the people that don't know you, Harry, about yourself? You know, I, I was a business consultant to Fortune 100 companies coming out of Harvard Business School, got bored with that, although it was a great job. And then, then I decided to do the same type of consulting to new ventures in California. So I moved, and, and, and that's when I really learned the most, because these new ventures, this was back in the early 80s, these new ventures were appealing to the new young baby boom generation and all the new technologies and, and trends they were bringing. So, so, I, so I just learned all this stuff. I, I had to research the baby boom generation. I learned how much, how good demographic information is, how important new generations are driving our economy when they grow up and spend money I, I i had no idea fully how predictable people were until i had to start studying these baby boomers and, and the first consumer expenditure survey the u.s ever did i mean 600 categories of spending down to potato chips was released in 1981 when i was doing this research so not only you know i can see i can see i can even predict down to sectors as a generation ages what's going to boom when the economy is going to boom overall on a 46, 47 year lag for peak spending and then everything, everything in between and after. And, and right now, you know what my number one sector is in the U.S. for baby boomers, nursing homes, assisted living facilities, while, of course, places like Southeast Asia and India are going to boom just like China and East Asia did in the last boom. So demographics is kind of my signature card, but I'm really a cycle guy. Uh, I've got cycles in technology that are equally important to demographics and in geopolitical cycles. That was the hardest for me to ferret out. And really, I tell people, Damien, you know, you can see where the economy's heading, not, not short term, that's a whole different thing. Over the rest of your lifetime, and even your kids, I can tell you, I'm predicting a very nasty economy in the next few years, because they put off a major crisis that started in 2008, just by printing money. I can tell your kids or grandkids, when they will see a financial crisis this big between 2068 and 2074, long after I'm dead. That's how predictable 
long-term trends are. So, so that's, that's what I do. I focus on long-term trends so people can plan their businesses and their investments. Again, not just next year or so, and oh, whether the Fed does this or whether this president gets like that, I don't care about that. Okay, I do short term. Oh, and that's a whole different thing, but I'm a long-term forecaster and my tools are totally different from economists. So if you think, well, well, these economists aren't seeing what Harry is, they're not gonna see it, okay? They didn't see the baby boom peak in Japan in 1989 like I did and then crash and they didn't see it peak in 2007. And that's why we've been living off of endless quantitative easing and there's no amount they can print to offset the largest generation in history, which is still declining in their spending curve until the millennials come along in 2023. So, so that's my gig. Demographics, technology cycles are what really drive the economy. Governments only react. So if you spend all your time tracking the Fed, hey, they're important now since they're printing $120 billion a month. That's important only because of that. The government doesn't lead trends, it lags. And the government's been reacting to yeah. this baby crash in spending since 2007, which I think would happen 20 years before it happened. Not one year, years so that's enough time to plan so you predicted that and you've you've studied history of finance for a long time um does every bubble burst or is there any way we can make it out smoothly on this one okay you know in history yes um every boom turns to a downturn generations about every 40 years commodities every 30 years i could go on and on and on um but, but bubbles are particularly acute. Every time we've seen a bubble, the last time we saw a real bubble economy was the Roaring Twenties, I mean, before any of us were born, you know, or, or you know, or even our parents in some cases. And bubbles don't have a happy ending. They always crash. Bubbles go up exponentially, and then they crash twice as fast as that. That's one of my 10 principles of bubbles. And so um, what they're doing, that happened. It started to crash. In, in, in late 2007, early 2008. And it started, 2008 started to look like 1930. So Ben Bernanke back then, who studied the Great Depression, that was his thesis. He said, oh my God, I, I gotta do whatever. We cannot have another Great Depression. So, so, so we had that crash, they blew their way out of it, but we never dealt with the debt restructuring and let the zombie companies go under. If, if an economy doesn't do this, if we don't have a good recession, every 10 years in a deep recession like the 70s or the 30s depression every 40 years the economy doesn't flush out and can't grow again and so we're in this no matter how much money we print we can only grow a little bit and if they still pull back at all like they did in 2018 and 19 the economy goes back down and they got to print more than ever so we're in a trap here and and they're printing more and more and and i think we're really getting at the end of this um so so the money printing is only offsetting very predictable trends. And again, around 2023, 24, the millennial generation is what's gonna pull us out of this downturn. Natural demand, no longer artificial, oh, give these aging baby boomers, send me another check and then I'll maybe I'll buy some furniture down the road. You know, this is all artificial <laughs> and this is going to crash. Bubbles only end badly in history. Now we'll see, if they can let this one down. My theory, Damien, is real simple here. Since they've stretched this, now 12 years since the natural top in late 2007, since they've stretched this so far and so far, when this thing blows, and I think it's gonna happen within weeks 
and, and, and by the end of this year, at the very latest, when it blows, it's going to blow. And I wow. think it'll be a steeper, sharper crash, if anything, than we saw 29 to 32, because they've stretched it so far that, that, that the economy is just so overstimulated. It's like a crack addict ready to fall over and go into rehab. That's what the way I see the economy. So this is the biggest bubble in history, you're, you're saying? The biggest, it's the most global, it's an everything bubble. Even the Roaring Twenties, real estate was not as bubbly, nearly as bubbly, because back in the Roaring Twenties, you, you get a five-year balloon mortgage with 50% down. Try, try creating a bubble and speculation on that. So only since World War II have we had 30-year mortgages and middle-class consumers. We didn't have a middle class in the Roaring Twenties. There was no middle class back then. So, so, so that's the last bubble you know, that we went through. And that crash, 29 to 32, 89%, and we're not talking small cap stocks here, the leading tech NASDAQ-like, Apple, Microsoft-like stocks of the day, General Motors, Ford, RCA, those stocks went down 89%. So it's a reset, and, and bubbles do almost, well, they've always crashed badly in history. Wills, you know that they're going to try to do whatever, but my thing is, Damien, they just, this COVID thing just forced their hand. Yeah. To fight COVID, which was a bigger hit, yeah. um, they, when I add up the fiscal stimulus now at $5.1 about to add another 2.2, give or take, and the monetary just since the repo crisis when they had to start revving up again and then COVID hit, we're talking 55% of GDP just to keep this economy from going down with COVID and then to get it to come back out of COVID, what are they going to do? What can they do after 55% of GDP? I, I think that they're, they've, they've just blown it. I think they've, they've gone so far on stimulus that first of all, any more is going to look panicky. And when things crash, I think they're just going to be out of ammunition now. What, what are they going to do a hundred percent next time? I mean, really, I mean, we're talking, nine trillion going on 11 with this new infrastructure plan are, are they going to print 20 trillion dollars uh, or you know where does this look so ridiculous that even everyday people get in their conestoga wagon and run for the hills and say you know hell's a coming mm -hmm. so i think they box themselves in i think this is the end, end game here myself there's a lot of information about real estate out there on the web but real estate master summit has it all in one place Stop going down rabbit holes and go to remsummit.com and get your free pass for our podcast listeners. We have over 42 seasoned speakers who will guide you through your real estate journey. That's remsummit.com for your free tickets. So what's safe right now? Gold, Bitcoin, real estate? What's Where should we put our money right now? Yeah, good question. None of the above. Uh, gold was the best hedge in an inflationary, the last long-term demographic downturn of the Bob Hope generation before the baby boom was 68 to 82, rising inflation from the expensive, young, unproductive baby boom entering the workforce, a high inflation recession. Gold was the best hedge against that up and down in, in, in one recession after the next kind of gold did great. Mm -hmm. Um, we're in a deflationary cycle since 2007. That's why no matter how much money they print, they're only fighting 
the deflationary trend like the 30s. The 30s followed an everything bubble and bubbles burst, money disappears at the speed of light. And then let me, let me throw a statistic that's very important, Danny. Uh, it took me a couple months to put this together, to, to track everything. My estimate, and damn good estimate, by the way, it's not a guess, $525 trillion globally in financial assets, real estate, stocks, gold, bonds, all that sort of stuff, financial assets. Uh, that's always more than GDP, which is about 80 trillion globally. But it's usually like two times, okay? Three to threat, six and a half times GDP. Like, like you said, really, this is the greatest bubble in magnitude and length. They've stretched an extra 12 years, um, in, in a bubble in everything. And, and that amount of money, about half of that by history is going to disappear. That's what happened 29 to 30. The reason it was a deflationary downturn, not just declining spending from a generation, but all these financial assets, half the financial assets in the world, poof, that's, that's real money in people's bank accounts for spending, but the real money is in people's brokerage and investment accounts and all that sort of stuff. Half of that disappeared. That makes people feel poor. That takes money out of the system, chasing and, and driving up financial assets. And all this monetary printing is driving up financial assets. So that's the key thing to understand here. This financial asset bubble is now a much bigger threat to the economy and the original debt bubble they created. It, okay, So we had a debt bubble coming into 2007 and in a, a, a strong financial asset bubble. Now the financial asset bubble is twice as big as the debt bubble. And it's been, all that has to happen, Damien, is this financial asset bubble burst like 50%, you know, or stocks 50% and bonds 20 or 30 and real estate 30 or four. And, and, and the whole world's in trouble because that's, that's a couple, two to $250 trillion minimum going to disappear. So that money disappearing means financial assets don't come back because there isn't the money to change. All the money printing, all this stuff that's gone up disappears, isn't there anymore. So financial assets crash. They don't come roaring back. They come back slowly over time, just like after the 30s crash. And all of a sudden, less money and consumer prices go down 10 or 20% like they did in the 30s. So that's the scenario. Now, when I say that, people say, Harry, you're crazy. Oh, and they'll never let that happen. I'm like, they've already fought this thing with everything they got. The kitchen sink, the piano, another you know, $4 trillion in monetary printing, another five in fiscal stimulus, another two... What, what you know, they, and, and they still can't grow more than a couple percent for very long, and and the bubble's bigger than ever. My view is the the Fed and central bank people, and 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 think about it for a minute. Picture Janet Yellen, okay? Mm -hmm. I I say I thought I saw a putty cat. That's what I see when I see her. Okay, she was the Fed chairman. Now she's Secretary of Treasury, and we have a Fed chairman, and all they do is print more money. These people don't know their ass from the hole in the wall. I'm just sorry. Have any of these people run a business? They don't even look like they've had sex from my point of view. Okay? These people are academics and they're doing this great. They decided, you know what? What if we never had a recession again? Number one, if somebody, in my experience, running and turning around, a lot of turnaround small businesses, okay, said, we'll never have a recession again, I'd say, well, get me out of here. Just send me to Mars recessions 
clean out the economy, purge the bad companies, purge the bad debts, get the trash out of the way so we can grow again. Recessions are as necessary as booms. If you don't understand that, you don't understand economics, period. I don't care how many PhDs you got. Study all the crap you want. These people never run a business. You know how many businesses I've had to come in as a strategic consultant and turn around out of the mess and see how quickly you can take an unhealthy company, clear out the debts, renegotiate creditors, fire all the losing employees and turn around and have a healthy company again? It's necessary. Mm -hmm. I understand it. So so I can even buy into, even if an economist say, we have a new plan that is proven to prevent recessions. I say, get me out of here. You're wrong. So, so wrong presumptions. The people who are in charge of the Treasury and the Federal Reserve don't understand the economy, and they just think their job is to keep a recession from happening because recessions are bad. That right. is real. I mean, I hate to say, how much respect do I have people that think, study history and decide recessions are bad and to be prevented at all costs. You know the real reason they have to prevent this? They've blown this bubble up so big, it would only take the smallest recession to prick the bubble and they'd be dead. They would die from their own album. So these people at the Federal Reserve does not understand by endlessly printing money now for 12 years and now adding tons of fiscal stimulus because that's not working. They have created a bubble so big they're getting ready. They're sitting under an avalanche. It's just going to take one more snowflake, one thing to prick. Because the COVID thing, yes, that was that sort of thing. But they reacted 10 times. They reacted stronger than ever. That was a huge mistake in my opinion. They've set themselves so there's no way they can come back with a strong enough act if the economy slows down now or if the stock market starts crashing for any reason. This bubble is going to be too big for them to prevent. They've created a monster, and that monster's called no longer just $320 trillion in debt, $525 trillion in financial liability. If I was a, a central banker anywhere in the world, I'd be looking at that saying, I think I want to move to another planet before I look like an idiot for creating this. That's what I'd be thinking. They don't think that way. They think, oh, we can always just print more. We can, no. No, there's a point. The cost of this money printing is not inflation because the money printing is going into financial assets. Okay, mm-hmm. it's if, if they had given it all to consumers and businesses like they're only starting to do now, we could have had some real inflation. But also, my inflation indicators show with the generational demographics and inflation is the um, demographics is the biggest cause of inflation, not money printing in history. Um, that that we would have low inflation anyway, but but. It doesn't cause consumer inflation. The cost is this financial asset bubble, this monster they're creating. And nobody's looking at the monster. That's why I put a number on it. $525 trillion, six and a half times global GDP. Nobody can beat that. That monster is going to kill everything that's been done to prevent this downturn. Just the question of when. I think it could be starting within weeks. And if not, again, the very latest, the end of this year, before this bubble starts to burst. And I think once it does, it's too big for anybody to control. So let's say COVID goes away, everyone gets their shots, everyone's vaccinated, everyone's going back to work. It's not gonna do anything. It's not gonna, it's too- It's already doing doing something. But look at it the other way. People have already, Governments are giving tons of money to business. I mean, if any business calls up an 800 line, give me a $20 million loan. Okay, sure. done. 
Yeah. The consumers get $1,400 and half of them could be doing nothing. I mean, they've already been overstimulated, overstimulated. Okay, I ask people, how many times can you refinance your home? How many times, how many, how many people, especially aging baby boomers who would have peaked long time ago, keep trading up homes? I mean, you can't keep spending money, especially as the largest generation in history gets older and older. What do old people do? Yeah, they need a smaller living circumstance, probably farther out, more peaceful. And the old people even eat less for crying out loud. Okay. Old people do everything less except for travel and take pharmaceuticals, okay? Mm. Healthcare and travel, and even travel peaks well before. Uh, healthcare and stuff. So that's just the nature of things that they are they are playing God. I'll just put it that way. Would you trust Janet Yellen and Jerome Powell and and Ben Bernanke to play God with our economy when not a damn one of them have ever run a business and have any experience in business or real life and may not have had sex for all? Are you going to trust these people? I say no. No. They call this appropriately an experiment in monetary policy. Yeah, it is an experiment. I say it's going to fail. It's going to be the biggest lesson in modern history. We've never gone to this length. Most of the stimulus in history have been after a crash and just 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 temporarily to get the economy, you know, just give a little boost, you know, like the defibrillator. Then wake up, you know, boom. No. Never before have we kept a dead economy going for 12 years, and you have central bankers like Mario Draghi saying, I will print unlimited amounts of money to stop this downturn and to protect our bonds. That's insanity. You know what that's going to look like 10, 20 years from now when the greatest crash in history, when these people said, don't worry, the Fed's got your back, the Fed put, we'll print unlimited, anybody says, I'm going to print unlimited amount of money that takes to avoid a recession, you should shoot that person and ask questions later. That is a dangerous person. And everybody says, even Warren Buffett, oh, they're just doing the right thing and they're just helping the economy. No, this is, mark my words, I will quit my profession in two to three years if this is wrong. Insanity is what this is. It's gonna look like that clearly in history when you're in a bubble, everybody's high in the bubble. Oh, my mortgage is now 3%. It used to be six to seven. Wow, I can pull it out. And I'm not working any harder. Oh, my car loan's 2% instead of 7 or 8%. Oh, the government keeps sending me money in the mail every time the economy goes down. Damn, oh, they just bailed out my business. This isn't, this is la la land. Wow. So, what do you, what do you predict is the thing in real estate that is going to get hit the hardest? Luxury or? Yes. High end. High-end kind of vacation homes get hit the worst. The high-end gets hit the worst. The big cities hit the worst. You think Omaha with Warren Buffett's going to get hit? Nobody wants to live in Omaha except for Warren Buffett. You're the best restaurant's Dairy Queen, okay? That's mm -hmm. going to hold up. That may go down 10 or 20%. Just look, I mean, everything's going to go down. This is a reset of all financial prices, real estate, stocks, bonds, everything. Um, but, but New Manhattan? Go down seventy percent. Miami. I'm looking in Puerto Rico. Eventually, we're gonna have to move back to Miami for healthcare. Okay, we know that. My wife and I. I am looking in this graph, not to buy in Puerto Rico. I'm renting in Puerto Rico. Buy a zillion dollar condo or house, seventy percent off. That's okay. and I could have done that back in a, in the last crash. Okay, we know Miami. You know we know that. So that it, it depends. The greater the bubble, the greater the burst. Stocks always burst the most. 
The real estate went down 34% last time. I'm saying 40 to 50 on average. That means 70 in the worst and 20% in Omaha, okay? Stocks go down 80, 90% in these deflationary crowd, not the 70s where stocks would tend to go down 50%. Okay? 70, 80, 90%. You're not going to catch that up if you're 65 or 70 today. You're never going to get back to even. And in fact, the demographics say the millennials will never bring us back higher than we were. And stocks will not get as bubbly because we won't be in a bubbly era like mm -hmm. we've been in. Well, stocks may never see this. And actually, people say, Harry, that can't be. Look at Japan. Who called the Japan crash? I was alone in 1989 and said, the 90s is going to be a crash, a long-term downturn for Japan. They'll never come back from be the greatest boom in history for Europe and the United States. Oh, you think people think I'm crazy now. That was certifiably crazy, okay? Look at Japan. Real estate went down 60-some percent, 62 to 67 by two different measures somewhere in there. Never has bounced. Stocks came back about 60, 70%. They're never going to see new highs and they're going to crash to new lows again. So imagine that in the US. Financial stocks may probably will never see these new highs in our lifetimes. If they do, it, it, it'll be 15 years from now and probably not these high. Real estate will go down and never, mark my words, most real estate will never see these prices ever again in your lifetime and maybe not your kids. Because demographics favors real estate even less in developed countries. So that's the that's scenario here. If you don't get out here, there is no reprieve, okay? I'm just saying, I, I hate, I was the guy that called the greatest boom in history and got crazy for that. Now, the guy who called the greatest boom in history back in the 80s is saying the greatest boom is over. Oh, and not only that, they extended it 12 years with unbelievable stimulus, which has made this way more toxic and dangerous. If you don't, there's only one thing you do. And then you get out of the way. None of us is going to stop this bubble. And in mm -hmm. any China starting to prick their own bubble, you can do what you want. It's going to go down. And then it's going to go back down to reality. And, and I got bubble models tell you where my bubble model says the Dow is going to go to about 5,000. Real estate's going to go down 40 to 50%. How many people can withstand that, especially if the next time it doesn't come roaring back? Because you don't have a massive stimulus plan because the most massive one just failed. So that's that's just the reality here. And and so not everybody's going to believe me, but but somebody, if anybody just looked at history with stocks this highly valued in a second real a second major tech stock bubble, a second major real estate bubble, which are rare. Real estate bubbles are really rare in history. Okay, right. anybody that's not cautious here just simply does not understand history. You should be cautious without listening to me. And, and there are stock models, um, John Huntington um, outs these, and they're very, they have nothing to do with demographics and boom bust. Just say when stocks are at these level of valuations, here's what you can expect to earn in the next 12 years. Guess what that is? Just by that model, none of my busts, none of my stuff, lose 2% a year for the next 12 years, lose 30% or more. If you're 65 and you're using that for retirement and you're in a normal 70, 30 stock portfolio, <laughs> you're, you're going to lose money instead of making money for your retirement. So, so that's the, the signs are there. What I warn people, Damien, it's real simple. We're all high on the bubble. We've had a free lunch from every direction. I quoted it all before. Super low interest rates for our mortgage and loan stimulus that keeps the economy going. Zombie companies that shouldn't be alive are still alive, wasting money and capital and employees. 
because of all this stimulus. So you just have to get out of the way. How do you get out of the way? It's not gold. Gold, if this was an inflationary crisis, gold would be. They've already printed more money than anybody could have thought, and gold still hasn't gone up and keeps going down anyway. Okay. It is U.S. Treasury bonds, the safest, most liquid, long-term investment in the world, 30-year treasuries, because the longer you locked in, even a 2.5% rate now, those rates are going to fall near zero and maybe lower. That bond is going to appreciate with the fall in rates. Only the risk-free bonds, only the AAA corporates and the 30, 10 and 30-year treasury bonds. And same in some say, other safe countries like Australia and, and, and you know some of the better countries. Um, so that's the safe haven. And if you're a more aggressive investor, uh, you could, I would say you're, it's very simple because almost everything goes down. You'd be short stocks and very simply short, not leveraged, just just be in, in an inverse fund on the S&P 500 or the QQQs, the tech stocks or something. And you say, okay, if I'm more, I could be 50-50 if I'm a growth investor and still really not, okay? Well, maybe I'm 70% the bonds and 30% short stocks. And if I really want to be safe, I'm just in the safe bonds. That's, that's the safe haven because gold went down in 2008. It went up at first. Oh, they're printing money to fight the slowdown. Oh, Lehman Brothers goes down. Oh, deflationary downturn. Oh, gold dropped 33% in two weeks. Gold was not the safe haven when the shit hit the fan. It was, it went down like everything else. Didn't go down as much as other things. So gold's not the worst place to be. Gold will go down. So your short stocks, if you want to be a little aggressive, the safest play is being the safest bonds, maybe a couple of different countries like Sweden and Australia and the US. But I like the US because the, in the last crisis, from mid-2008 to the end of 2008, the worst of that last crisis, before they shut it down with massive printing, the US dollar was the one currency. And what do all the gold bugs say? Dollar's going to go to zero and gold to 5,000. No, gold went down 50% and the US dollar went up. 28% at the worst of the crisis. Mm. That tells you where to be. U.S. dollar if you're foreign and U.S. treasury bonds, whether you're foreign or domestic, because you got the best long-term bonds in the best house in a bad neighborhood. There's nothing, we've done all the wrong things everybody's done. We have less debt. We have way less money printing than Europe and Japan. Way, way less everything than China. China's the worst of everything in this bubble. We're simply the best house in a bad neighborhood and still the largest economy in the world, especially when China falls. I remember in 89 when I was predicting this crash, economists were predicting that Japan was going to overtake the U.S. economy. You know how impossible that was? They have 40% of the population back then, like 35% of our population now. It's not even possible. They were just extrapolating Japan's quick rise and saying it's going to go on forever. So that's what they're saying about China now. China's going to fall the hardest. And China's baby boom, their demographics have already peaked, and they will not come back nearly as strong when they come back. In fact, they're going to be declining. They only have some urbanization. It will be the rest of Asia, Southeast Asia and India. India is the next China. And then when I say that, even Indian economists disagree. So my, 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 my biggest summary, Damien, just don't listen to, I hate to say that, do not listen to economists. They don't understand what's important. They know a lot of stuff and they're smart people. No question. Never met a dumb economist, okay? Mm -hmm. They do not understand what's important about the economy. I don't know why. I tripped on it by accident 
in my consulting career and built my own research regardless of them because what they say and study doesn't matter. That's what I found. Okay. What I study matters and you can track it with the past and project it. Deck, I told you, your kids, tell them now. When you die, they'll realize mommy and daddy weren't so stupid. Tell them there's going to be another great depression of this magnitude or the 30s between 2065 and 2074, particularly 2068. Just tell them that today. One day they'll say, mom and dad weren't stupid as I thought they were. I can tell you that today. So it cycles, I guess. I mean, yeah, cycles. I mean, what cycles? I mean, the moon, the sun, all, all these right. cycles. Sun comes up every day, just slightly different times. You know, cycles, if you find the right cycles, they are something you can project way into the future. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm glad we have you to do that for us, Harry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I hope I don't die anytime soon. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I don't think you will. Come on. Let's not talk about that. So, Harry, um, let's, uh, can I play a little word association game with you? Is that okay? Sure. All right. Um, just I'll say a word. You can say one word or whatever you want. Um, all right. Uh, real estate. Not as real as people think it is. <laughs> nice. All right. Uh, Bitcoin. <clears throat> the a baby bubble. It's mm. about to burst bigger than anything we've seen in a long time. Is long term, extremely oh. bullish on Bitcoin. Okay. But it's in its baby bubble. Every every early stage boom has a big crash at this stage. Okay, so it's good. What what do you? There's one more thing about Bitcoin. What number do you think is going to hit when it crashes? If if it's peaking here, I'd say about uh, three to four thousand, back to the last set of lows. Wow, and you think it's peaking now? It's not going to go up. It's I think it's a good chance it's peaking now. I was looking. I, I warned my newsletter subscribers on Thursday. Bitcoin breaks 60, look out. And it really? did, and look out. It went to 52, and it could keep going down. I think the chances are it's peaked here. The Bitcoin cycle has been late in the year, every four years. We could see a, a crash here, one more surge into late this year, November, December, and then that'll be it. We're going to have a, a – I'm predicting we're going to have a 95% crash in Bitcoin from whatever top it makes. I would say 50%, 60% chance it already made that. Okay. Um, gold. Love gold. It's not gold's time. Mm -hmm. Okay. Dollar. Dollar still reserve currency. It's the safe haven okay. currency. Um, Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. Fastest shrinking economy in the world why it gets endless help from the u.s mm, okay. um let's see uh san francisco is kind of the the perfect storm of the techies live there to buy they're paying way inflated inflated prices for the um real estate so san francisco what do you think yeah yeah perfect bubble city san francisco and new york also Miami, because it's got a very international attraction. Those are my three biggest bubble cities. Wow. But Manhattan, okay. not New York broader. Manhattan, San Francisco, and Miami. All right. Okay. Uh, one more. Money printing. 
cheating. Nice. Like taking a drug to feel better. Yeah. Like, like like shooting heroin. I, I put money printing is like shooting heroin to addicting, feel better. Addicting, right? Yeah. And it's addictive. Are we addicted to it? Come on, 12 years? <laughs> Only have to take more and more? Doesn't that sound exactly like an addictive habit? Alcohol, yeah. drugs, heroin? It's exactly. Mm hmm Yeah. Okay. Um, well, thank you, Harry Dent. Uh, thank you for being on our podcast. Um, I, I hope to talk to you again soon we'll we'll see what happens with the bubble and then maybe uh call you for more advice <laughs> yeah yeah I, I think we could be about to burst here if not i'd say uh mid to late june is the next danger period mid to late june that's soon that's soon yeah up the far away yeah man all right thank you harry okay. have a good day man enjoy uh puerto rico and miami i will i love puerto rico i love both i like puerto rico even more yeah, yeah, I've been there once. I loved it. Oh my god, the food, mm, everything, beach, temperature everything. range sixty nine to ninety two yep. year yep. round. That is way better than Miami. Yeah. Miami gets much hotter and much colder. Yep, great place, man. Great place. All right, Harry, take care. Sure, bye bye. See you. On the next episode of the Real Estate Masters Summit podcast. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Again, I think if you, you know, those of you who've spent any time in the single family space, Brian, Brian knows he, he spent some time there too. It's again, you know, when you're dealing with one tenant, one house, one roof, one loan, and you're trying to duplicate that, that becomes such a harder model to scale versus if you have 10, you know, 20, 100 units under one roof or a couple of roofs under one loan, you know, that it just allows you uh, to to more efficiently grow your business 